I invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're continuing our series called Your Heart. And this morning I want to speak to you about an undivided heart. I've been saying all along that uh, God has a lot to say about your heart. You don't have to go far in Scripture to find that God is interested in and concerned about your heart. So much of what we read, so much of what we understand about God's heart has to do with our heart, has to do with your heart. I want you to know that. I want you to know God has created you, He's formed you, He's made you, And He has wired your heart and created your heart to love and to serve and to honor Him. Your heart is created by God for God. Let me say that again. Your heart has been created by God for God. In Matthew chapter 6, we have a picture, a scene. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is an account of of Jesus' sermon that he preached. Uh, It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the setting is uh, in this uh, uh, vast area that uh, we're told had great acoustics, just out on this mountainside, and and, uh, you didn't need amplification, you didn't need any sort of uh, uh, thing to project your voice. You could talk, and, and many people who gathered would be able to hear you. And so this is where Jesus was teaching and he was talking about the kingdom and he was, he was uh, to his listeners that were eagerly uh, uh, watching him and following him, uh, he was speaking about some very intimate and personal things. Take a look at verse 19 of chapter 6. Jesus tells the crowd, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth. What he's saying is don't fill your hearts with material things where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal, but store your treasures in heaven. Fill your hearts with eternal things is what he's saying. Things of value where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And pause there for a second. He, he draws this line and he, he connects these dots between are the treasures, those things that we pursue, and the condition of our hearts, the state of our hearts. We've been talking about that the last few weeks. Our hearts crave and run after so many things. We've talked about Solomon and how he, he pursued so many things. It's natural for our hearts to pursue those things. And here Jesus is saying the desires and cravings that we have are connected to our hearts. Where our treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Verse 22, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness and it If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You see, we're in the habit of accumulating things. We love to accumulate. We love to to, um, amass possessions. Uh, back when Dan and I were first married, um, we had a, uh, a was it 657 square foot apartment. 
It was one bedroom and den. Uh, to put that in perspective, we had the square footage of, of about a two-car garage. That was where we lived. And I tell you, you cannot fit a whole lot of possessions in there. We had a storage locker down in the under, underground parking area. And, and even then, it was a few tubs, you know, Rubbermaid containers full of all of our earthly possessions. That was it. You don't accumulate a lot of things. It's funny, we, we moved from Vancouver, uh, Canada to uh, Illinois in about a 14-foot U-Haul trailer. Well, 11 years later and a son additioned to our family, added to our family, when we moved from Illinois to Texas, it was not a 14-foot trailer or a 14-foot U-Haul anymore. It was this massive 18-wheel rig, you know, big, huge, and man, we took up most of that thing. And I'm going, how did we get all this stuff? It's just what we do, though. We just accumulate things. We just, uh, where did we get that from? I don't know, somebody gave it to us. Well, we took it and stored it and put it in a Rubbermaid container and put it up on the shelf, and now instead of three Rubbermaid containers, we got like 35 Rubbermaid containers. See, we're in the habit of accumulating things. It's like treasure hunters, uh, weekend warriors. How many of you are like garage sailors? Uh, yes, uh, we'll have prayer for you after. Because your, your garage is probably in need of a garage sale. But we're, we go out searching and seeking and scouring for gems and valuable items. And Jesus here in Matthew 6 says this is, this is common to all of us, but, but, but what we do is we end up having these two receptacles. We end up having this one receptacle that is, is of the world, those things that are mortal, those things that are, are fleeting, those things that have left to their own and will eventually rot and, and be destroyed and, and evaporate. They're fleeting. And then there's this other receptacle, this other tank, this other reservoir that, that we can fill. And as we do, it's full of stuff that is lasting, it's valuable, it's eternal. And this is the picture that Jesus is, is painting in Matthew 6. He's saying, we, we accumulate, we want to knit our hearts with so many things, but, but there are two receptacles that we're in the habit of, of putting those things in. One tank is mortal, the other is spiritual. And, and sadly, we don't think anything of this. We just go through life putting some things in this receptacle, putting some things in that receptacle, adding things and, and adding more Rubbermaid containers to the shelves over here and, and adding more things and putting more things in Rubbermaid containers on the shelves over here. Not really thinking that there's anything wrong with it. But what Jesus is saying here is... Your father created, his father created you. God created you. He wired you and he knows how you were put together. And he knows what you are capable of. He knows what you were designed for. And what he's saying is your heart was not fabricated. It was not constructed. It was not designed. It was not wired to be pulled in two separate directions. Your heart was never intended to go in two separate directions and two different repositories. You don't have that capacity. I don't have that capacity. None of us has that capacity. And it's something that we can, it's not something we can learn. It's not a learned uh, skill. Ultimately, your, your heart won't function well. Your heart cannot be devoted to God and something else. 
it will not end well. In, in this room, we have uh, two heating and air conditioning units. Uh, there's a thermostat up on this side. There's a thermostat on that side. Most of the areas of our, of our building have a couple of uh, thermostats and a couple of heating units and air conditioning units. There's two out in the lobby. There's two in here. Well, nowadays, these are computerized and, and we have them all synced up and that. But early on, when, when we first moved into this building, I remember walking into this room it was on a Monday morning. And I walked into this room, walked in the back, and, and there was air that was blowing out of, out of the air conditioning and the heating units. And it was kind of warm and kind of cold. And, it, it, and I just knew something was wrong. And I came up to this one. We had those, those old thermostats that you set them. And, and it, unless you set them or turn them off, they're just going to stay running. They weren't on any timers. They weren't on any schedules. And they're the old school well, this side was on 80 degrees, and that side was on 55. There was a problem. There was something wrong going on. This one was just torquing out the heat, doing all it could to keep this room up to 80 degrees. And this side was just hauling out with the, the AC, and there was like icicles hanging off, and it was doing its hardest, and neither of them was having any success. The room was just kind of average. And we could have kept that thing going and, and we could have had a comfortable Sunday morning, but eventually either those machines were going to tire out and explode or we were going to run out of money. It was costing us you know, <laughs> gas and electricity. Just So I shut those things down. Hey, this, no. Well, we, we take that picture and we go, okay, yeah, that's wrong. That's not. And, and yet, when we look at our hearts, we think that there's nothing wrong with throwing resources into opposing receptacles and opposing tanks. Knitting our hearts together. It sounds funny, but some of us are in the habit of doing exactly that, living contradicted lives, dumping energy and resources into two opposing tanks, embracing and collecting and acquiring things we value. Resources we think are beneficial, and yet they are opposite draws. We do it all the time. Walk around each day frustrated and unfulfilled. But we can't seem to put a finger on what's wrong. Eventually, something's got to give. You cannot go on indefinitely loading up both of these receptacles. Jesus himself says you can't serve two masters. And as long as we try to, as long as we try to dump resources into this tank, and as long as we try to dump resources into that tank, there will be symptoms, negative symptoms that manifest themselves in our lives. If you're honest with yourself, guaranteed, you've experienced that anytime you try to live committed and dedicated to two opposing draws in your life. Sadly, it's, it's epidemic. It's not just in our world, it's in Christian communities and it's in churches too. There's some symptoms to a conflicted life, to a conflicted Christian's life. I think for some, it, 
manifests itself in lack of commitment. One day we're on, one day we're not. One day we're in, one day we're out. One day we're absolutely committed and the next day we're kind of so-so. We can't make up our mind. We can't decide. We can't fully engage. For some, it's an inconsistency in their faith. They're hot, they're cold, they're, they're on, they're off, they're making it, they're not making it. For some, it's a hypocritical lifestyle. It's, there's a conflict between what they say and what they do. If you were to ask them, they'd believe a certain thing, and yet their life doesn't reflect those decisions and those commitments. For some, the manifestation is anger and animosity. A critical spirit, a judgmental spirit. Very little grace that's extended out of their lives. I think people who are easily offended are often living in a conflicted life. Very little grace, very little tolerance. And they're easily offended. Many times people who embrace legalism people who are living in two worlds. And I'd love to say, and I'd love to stand up here and say, you know what? Those are other churches. Those are other people because we got it all together here. Boy, we're all putting our lives and our, our, our hearts and all of those things that we crave and desire into this basket. I'd love to be able to say that. But to be honest, it happens with each one of us. We get torn. We get pulled in different directions. And these symptoms manifest themselves in each of our lives. We're short with one another. We're judgmental. We're critical. We're easily offended. But instead of throwing up our arms and going, you know what? Oh, well, it's just the way life is. And until we're, we're in heaven with the Lord, I guess we're just going to struggle with this. No. I guess you could say that if you want. But where I believe... God wants us. And where I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing us is, is to be more intentional of knitting our hearts together with, with God's heart. And the things that we collect, the things that we embrace, the things that we value, the things that we set our hearts on are the things that are eternal, the things that are long-lasting, the things that are valuable. Sadly, oftentimes we don't see this. We don't see this conflict and we need the Holy Spirit to expose it in our lives. There's a a vision that John had in Scripture. It's called Revelation. And Revelation 3, God is telling the church there. He says, I know all things you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. I wish you were either hot or cold. I wish you'd make a decision instead of straddling the fence and being pulled in in these opposite directions. I wish that your your eyes would be open that you'd see what's going on. Down in verse 17 of Revelation 3, it goes on to say, you say I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I wonder how many of us go through life thinking that we are rich in faith and rich in the things of God and rich in our relationship and yet if we were to take an honest assessment and an honest evaluation, we're poor, we're wretched, we're blind, we're naked. 
There's a perception that you have the resources. There's a belief that you have stored up substances and value and spiritual strength, but, but you're mistaken. You're miserable when you really could be living. You really could be embracing the things of God. You see, David had this revelation. He had this revelation. And in Psalm 20, he, he talks about it. Now, he was in, in a military mindset, in a military environment. And in, in Psalm 20, he said, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. Some have put their value and their, their worth and their, their identity in the, in the tangible things of military might. For some, the value is in the tangible presence. He says, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some, do, some put their trust and their hope and their faith in this tank. But he says, but we trust in this one. We trust in the spiritual one. He goes on to explain. He says, they, those who fill and value the physical might tank, the, the mortal tank, are brought to their knees and fall. He says, but those, we, who fill and value the spiritual might tank, the eternal tank, rise up and stand firm. Even David identified this isn't optional. It's not just helpful advice. It's not just, hey, here's some, here's some good advice. You know, it's like your kid going off to school in the morning on a cold day. Hey, you might want to take a coat. And sometimes they go, okay. Sometimes they go, Pfft. and they're freezing the whole way to school. Turn on the seat heaters, Dad. It's not just helpful advice. It's not, hey, you know, this might do you well. No, this is, this is important. Important enough that Jesus stood on the side of a hill and told the people who'd surrounded, you know what? You're going to serve one or the other. You need to decide. And Paul was strong on this. The Apostle Paul was strong on this in 1 Corinthians 10. I want you to take a look. 1 Corinthians 10. And here he's talking about the, the Israelites who made this journey from ex, uh, or this exodus from Egypt to the promised land. Moses and the, and the thousands, the hundreds of thousands that came out and, and they, they moved and they migrated from Egypt to the promised land. And Paul's recounting this and he goes on to say that all of them, all of these people were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. All of them. The whole people. All of them walked through the sea on dry ground. All of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. You get the picture? They're all doing this together. They're all in it. All of them drank the same spiritual water. Yet the end result was not the same for all of them. All of God's people were doing the same thing. They were moving in the same direction, all of them. But then there was a difference. He says some were more obsessed with idols and filling the mortal tank. And there were some in that group of God's people who prioritized their relationship with God, the one true God, and filled that tank. One group didn't make it into the promised land, the others did. One group made a right decision. One group made a wrong decision. One group knit their hearts together with the one true God. And sadly, it's easy to be misled. It's easy to be blinded. We assume that we're benefiting ourselves when in fact we're on a destructive path. We're called to wake up and be aware. 
And I believe that we're invited over and over and over again in Scripture to make a decision. We're invited into that relationship with God to knit our hearts together with God, to make that decision. And I believe that God is asking you today, will you knit your heart together with His? Will you fill the spiritual tank in your life? Will you surrender those things that you think are important in your life and be single-minded and have an undivided heart for God? You know, David did this. He was invited to make this decision. Joshua was invited to make this decision, and both of them did. David was a young king who saw the demise of his father, Saul, his father's kingdom. Joshua was a young man who saw the the leader in front of him turn back from the promised land. And both of these men made decisions not to make the same mistake. David in Psalm 86 verse 11 says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Not my own. I want to rely on your faithfulness. And he says, give me an undivided heart. God, I want a heart that is is after you, is pursuing you, is filling that tank. That I may fear your name, that I may be in awe of who you are. Joshua, in the same way as he was entering the promised land just before on the, on the eve of this migration into the promised land, stands in front of God's people. And he says, so now, this is Joshua 24, verse 14, he says, so now, fear God. Worship Him in total commitment. I believe this is a word for each of us today. Worship the Lord in total commitment. You know, last time I checked the word total, what total means? It means all. It means everything. It means total. It means 100%. Think of it this way. We're getting on close to lunch, and um, I know you're probably hungry, so this is a good illustration. I won't torment you or torture you too much, but I like pie. Anyone like pie? My favorite is like strawberry rhubarb pie. And a little bit of sweet, a little bit of tart, and oh, it's so good. Well, think of it this way. If you had a pie... And it's a good pie and you're hungry and you love pie. You kind of want all of that pie. You don't just want a, a portion of it or a sliver of it. And, and as I got reading this, total, total commitment. That's the whole thing. That's, that's giving God the whole pie. That's not a sliver. That's not a portion. That's not two-thirds. That's not three, three-quarters. That's not that nine-tenths. It's all, it's total, it's everything. And this is what, what Joshua is telling God's people. Listen, worship Him in total commitment. Give Him the whole pie. Don't split it up and put one piece over here and, and five pieces over here. Don't put even one piece over here. Bring the whole thing. Bring your whole life, your whole heart in its entirety into this tank. In total commitment. Get rid of the gods of your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the, of the Euphrates and in Egypt. You worship God. There's an instruction. Worship God. But then he says, you know what? Y'all need to make the decision. I'm sure he used the word y'all. He says, y'all make the decision. I want you to look at this. Look at this. As if 
Joshua were standing in front of you, pointing the finger at you and saying, y'all need to make the decision. Not your family, your clan, your... No, this is you personally. Take a look at what he says. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Make the decision. Remember, your heart was never wired to go in two different directions. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. But then he draws a line in the sand and he just states where he's at. It's a familiar verse to many of us. He says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Y'all do what you want to do. If I were you, I would follow suit. I'm putting my heart in here. All of my acquisitions, all of my stuff, all of my collecting, all of my garage sailing, everything, it's in here. And we're going to struggle. Scripture says we're going to struggle. This is going to be a battle, but you know what? My heart is set on God. My heart is set on Him. I invite you to bow your heads. Bow your heads. And I believe that God is bringing us to a decision this morning. Decision to choose Him, to stop certain pursuits, habits and acquisitions and idols and commitments and beliefs and begin pursuing Him alone. For some of you, you've never made this decision before in your life and invite you to make that decision today. As for me and my house, today I serve the Lord. You also might be here and you made this decision ages ago, but in recent years, you've kind of got lost along the way. And I don't know what the percentage is, but you've been hoarding a lot of stuff and loading a lot of things up into that unspiritual tank, that mortal tank, the stuff that's not of God. And I believe what God is leading us to this morning is just a simple statement, a simple commitment, much like Joshua that says, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. In just a moment, I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to point anyone out. It's just going to be a simple show of hands with no one else looking around. And what I'm going to ask is, in agreement, can you say yes to that statement, I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. I'm going, to, I'm going to set aside things. In just a moment, I'm going to ask us just to do it together. It's a statement. Just a, a physical response to a spiritual question and a spiritual invitation. I want you to think about that right now. Things that are stretching you in different directions. Things that you need to give up. Because I think any decision requires us to Assess what we're really deciding, what we're really agreeing on. What are some things that the Lord's asking you to set aside? Some of the pursuits, 
some of the things that have captivated your heart that have been filling a tank that's not of Him. I want you to repent of those things. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and I want to lay those things down right now and pursue you alone. Are you all ready? Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to count to three. And if you're all in, if you want to make a statement this morning, that your heart, your life is all in with God, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. So on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, hold it up for a moment just so I can see, and then we're going to pray together, all right? Are you all in? You can serve the Lord. You can knit your heart together with His. If that's you, one, two, three. I want you to raise your hand. Just hold them up. Hold up your hand. Just make a statement to the Lord. Lord, I'm in. I'm in. You can put your hand down. Lord Jesus, you've seen these hands. And it's a faith statement. It really is. Because we know we can't do it on our own. In many ways, we can't get there from here on our own. We need you. We need your Holy Spirit. To tap us on the shoulder those times that we're pursuing the things that we want to pursue. And to just reorient us, redirect us. Heading more in your direction. Come Holy Spirit. Do your work. Do your work. Let's all stand.